I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This episode of the I-80 Preview Podcast is brought to you by Union Bank & Trust. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to a very special episode of the IAD Preview Podcast. We're going to be doing things a little bit differently this week because, well, everything about this week leading up to Nebraska Northwestern is, in fact, different. We're in a foreign country. Um, I am here with Deputy Editor Aaron Sorensen. So this will be a, a co-podcast. We're taping this in front of a live studio audience of one. The window is open here um because it's really quite nice in dublin uh if you've been used to scorching u.s temperatures for the past i don't know six weeks maybe six weeks is generous we're also sharing a microphone so if you're wondering like when is aaron gonna hop in and react to any of this hilarious banter she will when i give her the microphone um so i'm gonna turn it to her for a second she's been in ireland longer than i have she's going to do this whole intro in original gaelic aaron take it away uh, yeah, actually, when I landed in Dublin and I looked around the airport, I was trying to figure out, you know, what languages I was looking at. Obviously English, but they still have Gaelic. And that while it is not the prominent language in Ireland at this point, you know, it is still prominent and kind of cool. Uh, with that said, at first, when I told people I was in town for the football game, you have to clarify because football is not football in the American sense. Football is soccer, the proper football. Um, somebody's going to get mad at that. I mean, sincerely, it started at football before American football became that. But not only you don't just have to clarify American football, you have to clarify Gaelic football in this country as well, because that is another very intense version of the world of rugby, you name it, all of it. So... I have been living in Dublin since approximately Saturday at some point. It feels like I've been here a year, which is not a bad thing. I don't want that to come across like a bad thing. Um, it's been great. In fact, I'm starting to actually get anxious that time is going too quickly and that I'm going to be sad when this is all said and done, especially now that Nebraska is here and like things are busier. Time is going much quicker. Ugh. I'm I'm... I'm going to be sad. Also, why when you handed me the microphone, like we've had now several cars drive by. People are riding by on their bike, bikes. Here's the deal. The other reason that Brandon has omitted as to why the window is open is because most most places do not have air conditioning in in Ireland, just in general, because it's just not a thing. Their weather is so, so nice. 
and it is usually temper temperature is really good. We've been on the back end of heat wave. With that said, I've still been wearing sweaters and like really enjoying this time because I know I'm going to go back to Nebraska and be sweating profusely for another month. Um, but with that said, this is still technically warm for them. So yes, all the windows have to be open just because you don't want to like be sweltering in the middle of the night. So with that said, it also did rain last night and we found out as we woke up and they're like, oh, did you hear the rain? Um, I did not, which is alarming because the window was literally open. Thankfully, nothing came in, but that was concerning that like, just no idea. So that is where we're at right now. I am going to, I feel like there's this joke that some people are going to get where, is it a TikTok, an Instagram reel? It doesn't matter. Where it's like a joke of how people are like, I'm going to pass the microphone to you, but they're like, I'm going to what's the like they keep saying like I'm gonna pass the buck over and they like they keep making up new things so like as we do this I'm just gonna have to keep thinking like I'm gonna pass the torch back over to Brandon since this is his podcast so here's that torch thank you yes this is a perfectly natural and usual way to to make an audio recording um I think it's going great so far um I so far I have, I have found I have found the weather to be quite quite pleasant um we'll see we'll see what things are like by the time we get to saturday because great news everyone rusty dawkins is back on the id preview podcast as of this week with his weekly game day weather forecast this will be a fun challenge oh, i shouldn't say challenge it'll be a fun event for him you know he's he's used to forecasting for for all of these big 10 cities now he gets to go international so i'm excited for that as well we're going to play with the format here a little bit um i actually on at the time of this recording this is my first day in dublin i got in very very early uh the morning of a day after nebraska officially arrived they held their first practice today we were able to hear from the coordinators hear from a couple of players but my sense is we'll get some tomorrow. Well, I shouldn't say tomorrow because time shift podcast. You could be listening to this at any time. We will talk to Coach Coach Scott Frost next. Is is the point, and that's really going to be going to be it. You know, a lot of this feels to me, Aaron, like a, a bowl game setup. Um, not just because of the travel, but because you've got both teams in one site. But it hasn't felt like that from a media setup point of view there's no joint press conference or if there is i'm not aware of it and and i think that's that's okay um in terms of being around the team so you were obviously there for post-practice availability you were there for a team event prior to that what's some of what you're seeing with huskers in ireland so far well I do love the like slight delay. I just I, I I'm so eager for the anticipation. I also before I tell you about Nebraska in Dublin so far, I just want to paint a picture for people. So the rooms in Dublin remind me a little bit of if you were like in a bigger city like New York City, um, Boston, where the hotel rooms are not giant. They're making the best use of space possible. Um, with that said, for some reason, the chairs are very low. In these hotel rooms, I don't know why, but if you could see Brandon and I right now, the table is at what I would consider a typical 
table level. The chairs, on the other hand, are lower than that. So even us having to reach the microphone toward one another, which we could have also moved the chairs closer to one another, but in fact, that would have just taken away from the experience. So it's a little bit of a, we're sitting at chairs that are too low for the table that we're sitting at next to an open window that really anyone could be like walking. We said it's a live audience of one, but currently now it's two because that man walking across the street could just stop. Oh, three, there's another person. So anyway, let's talk about Nebraska. Nebraska is actually split up into three hotels. Fun fact. You asked me to come with fun facts. Here's your fun facts. The hotel that we are staying at is kind of a Nebraska hybrid situation. There are some fans here. There are some people who have no affiliation at all with Nebraska Northwestern, any of it. Um, But a lot of support staff, people who need to be able to get to the stadium quickly, they're staying at the same hotel. We're just a couple blocks away. The football team itself and most of the coaches are about 40 minutes north of town and so they're having to bus in with that said they're having to be very strategic with their schedule so for instance when they landed in Dublin about an hour late in fact they were supposed to land around 10 a.m on Tuesday landed a little after 11 because they had some issues getting out of Omaha something about bags were not counted correctly had to basically completely de like deep play not like take all the players off but the bags had to come off they had to redo everything there's a whole lot of fun things when you're taking a lot of luggage through customs so they deal with that they get here i figured they'd go straight to the hotel nope they went over to aviva stadium did a kind of a little like light walkthrough i thought yes they'll go they'll go to the hotel now they in fact did not they went and did tours of it seems from talking to players some went to a church others went to um basically this uh prison museum here in ireland and it sounds like they maybe then are switching today i don't know some of this is unclear but we heard churches and prisons which are just very uh (laughs) great combo right there um but if you're like aaron you mentioned a third hotel yes there is a third hotel it is the spirit squad and the band they're staying in the dorms at trinity college Fun fact, they're staying over at Trinity College in like a dorm setup, and the band will only be in Dublin for three days. They are going to get here very, very quickly, and they're going to be gone as quick as they arrived. Now, no one is leaving quite as quickly as Nebraska. The football team will. They're pretty much the second the game is done, driving straight to the airport, getting on a plane, going home. Uh, But with that said... The band, Spirit Squad, everyone else is going to be in and out as quickly as possible. They obviously have a pep rally on Friday, game on Saturday. They're gone Sunday. So I can't imagine they're going to see a lot of, like, do a lot of sightseeing while they're here. But they could at least go see the long room at Trinity College because they're quite literally staying there. So it, it made me laugh because if you look at kind of, like, the juxtaposition of each level, the football team is staying at, like, this like prime golf course hotel location um those of us at the like next hotel it's nice but it's definitely just like a it's a city hotel it's a family-owned city hotel that is like again making the best use of as much space as it has um there's like two third floors by the way if you haven't figured this out um you can go the wrong direction very quickly 
And then the other one is like you're in the dorms. So um, Nebraska has taken over. So has Northwestern. People have been seeing Northwestern players out shopping and meandering around. They're much closer to town than Nebraska is. But I've also been reading that Northwestern is treating this very much as like a, while Nebraska is much more streamlined with what they're doing, Northwestern is more do whatever you want. So take from that what you will. Take from that what you will. <laughs> no, I think that's that's pretty interesting it, it, because it does seem like a, a, a difference in approach. You know, Pat Fitzgerald at his weekly press conference, which I believe he did on Monday because they kind of treated this more like a traditional game week, I think, for, from a scheduling standpoint. Um, so Northwestern arrived on Wednesday, a day later than than Nebraska did, because they don't play in week one, uh, this being week zero, of course. So they're going to spend an extra day. And the way Fitzgerald made it sound, really give their players the opportunity to just kind of explore on their own, explore with their families. Like there's so much about playing a game internationally that I find fascinating from just a logistics standpoint. Like I, I kind of find it fascinating how these major college football teams that travel as many people as they do get their equipment from, I mean, it's one thing from like Lincoln to Iowa city, but what happens when Nebraska plays at Washington, you know, Seattle's a trek or <laughs> you play in Florida, you play at Rutgers and, and that's just putting it all on a truck and you can, you know, do with that what you will pack as much as you want. Now do that internationally. And now, uh, you mentioned the band, what's that like who's in charge of that who gets all the band stuff over here the other interesting note and man we're really getting in the weeds of of, of logistics here <laughs> logistics management um but fitzgerald said after northwestern plays on saturday they are going to go back to their hotel and have dinner with the players all the players and all of their families who who made the trip and all the support staff, basically Northwestern's entire travel party. And it's going to be at like 1030 by the time they, you know, get done with the game, get out of the stadium and get back to their hotel. He said headcount on that 600. I was like, what? I mean, some catering company out there is is making a pretty good chunk of change on on that. But man, what a what a <laughs> You're going to earn it. You're going to earn it if you're catering an event for 600 people at 1030 p.m. in late August in Dublin. Anyway, probably enough on what and how Northwestern is going to eat after uh, after Saturday's game. I wanted to take kind of what I think is a fun way into the game itself since we or since I did the official preview last week uh, of, of the game, how it probably needs to unfold for Nebraska, how it probably can't unfold for for Nebraska if they're to get out of here with the result they want. But a longstanding thing for me, I love game notes. And if you're not familiar with what game notes are, the, they are put out by sports information staffs throughout the country every week, almost all of them. It's not like a media-only thing, although that was their original intent. They're almost all available online. You can read the game notes each and every week if you'd like. And I would encourage doing so. A lot of them, if you read every Nebraska game notes from the season ahead, a lot of it will be repeat information. But the fun thing with the opponents is it's all it's all fresh. So I uh, charged each of us with an assignment, go through one set of game notes and find the find three 
intriguing, fun, important. The definition can be whatever it needs to be. Facts from these game notes. And Aaron and I are just going to to trade facts here. I had previously read Northwestern's game notes for this game uh, on my trip over. I had not seen Nebraska's, so I had given her Nebraska. Um, so that so that's that's going to be how we're going. We'll go, just go one in one after the other, and of course, because this is a football podcast, we're going to flip a coin to see who goes first. It's going to be a five cent euro coin. Um, Aaron, you can choose harp, which is very Irish, or you can choose five. Which would you like? Harp. I want harp. Uh, of course, I think that's the home, the home field advantage. Ah, and it's five. But you know what? I'm going to defer. I'm going to defer to the second half. So Erin is going to lead off with her first fact, which has to be Nebraska-based. Take it away, Erin. All right. All right, all right, all right. So I didn't get very far in the game notes, but I knew I needed to stop here for two reasons. So it's kind of a 1A and 1B. They're not in, I didn't want them to be independent of one another, but there's some context here. So Nebraska, on what page is this? It is page four. So like I said, I didn't get very far talks about the history of its season openers and this was really fun nebraska has an impressive history in season openers the huskers have won 98 of their 132 openers winning their first game more than 76 percent of the time they have an overall record 98 29 5 okay uh Nebraska is 32 and four in its first game of the season dating back to 1986. And I just want to point out like when you're kind of reading game notes is sometimes it's like, who is the person that was like, you know, what? let's just talk about everything to 1986 and like everything past that, like who cares at that point? Um, However, the Huskers are opening a season away from home for the third straight year, the only three times in this century that has happened where they've played their home opener away from Lincoln. Um, With that said, for anyone who remembers what happened just one year ago so nebraska was actually supposed to be in ireland facing an illinois team as a part of this whole trip this air lingus classic uh however that was moved stateside because of covid19 and as we now know now know for the first time since 1923-1924 illinois beat nebraska in consecutive years 30 to 2022 or 30 to 2022 in Champaign last season. So we know that Nebraska's uh, history of winning season openers took a bit of a tumble, just a little bit of a tumble in 2021. Does that change in 2023, 2022? It is not 20. Look, I'm in another country, not another year. It's just 2022. Um, But we don't know. We don't know. So I'm just going to leave you with this. This is the one B part. All of that to say, Nebraska has notoriously is won its season openers in most cases. Okay, we know that. Um, although I do have to just point this one little fun fact. This is actually not even one. Um, the very first game Nebraska ever won was a ten to zero Thanksgiving Day victory over the Omaha YMCA team. I just thought that was fun. Um, but here's the other part: Nebraska is also nearly perfect in August. This is the 16th August game in history of Nebraska football. They've lost just once in the month. Can you can you guess that team? Can you guess? Illinois last year. No. That was in September. Was it? Uh, let's see. The Huskers have lost just once in the month. 
bringing a 14-1 record into the contest. You're right. It is Illinois. Sorry. I right, I missed. Gosh, dang it. You got it right. Um, I was thinking September. So here's the thing. Because of game notes, there's a lot of words. And I was only reading some of them. Um, it was, I was thinking Northwestern. I was like, that doesn't make sense. But I was like, I believe it. You give me game notes. I believe everything you put in front of me. Um, no, it was, yes, it was Illinois in 2021. It was the first time Nebraska has lost in the month of August. However, Saturday's, ga- Saturday's game is officially dubbed the Aerolingus Classic, which is marking the first time Nebraska has opened a season by playing in a classic since kicking off the tw- 2002 season at home against Arizona State in which was called the Black Coaches Association Classic. So, all of that to say, uh, Nebraska is typically pretty good in its season openers, usually pretty good in August. Uh, Illinois threw a wrench in things last year, and Nebraska is certainly hoping to make that not the trend in 2022. I don't know about 2023. We're not worried about that one yet. But maybe we should be. <laughs> well, <laughs> one game at a time, much less, much less, much less one season at a time. Yeah, Nebraska and season openers. I mean, I remember writing about this in 2015, and really probably like the three, four seasons before that. So, 1981, Nebraska loses to Iowa. I think the score was 10-7. Don't quote me on that. And then from 1982 going into 2015, Nebraska wins its season opener each season, and that's it's kind of a mix of things. It's in the 80s and 90s, of course, that's Nebraska at its most powerful. And they, you know, played some op- opponents like Iowa, other power opponents to open the seasons often enough. And then you get into, excuse me, the the Big 12 era-ish and those pay-per-view games. And you kind of get the the soft opening games that we're all, all became pretty familiar with. And Nebraska wins all those too, but it's not saying much until 2015. You have the loss to BYU. Snaps a however many years that is streak, 23-year streak, uh, more than two decades. And then, <laughs> since then, well, Nebraska had its original opener canceled in 2018 and then lost its actual opener to Colorado. Uh, 2019, win that one, and beat South Alabama. 2020, you got to go on the road to Ohio State, lose that one, lose to Illinois, a game that was supposed to be in Ireland, and now you've got Northwestern. So for a team that for two decades plus didn't lose a, a season opener, all of a sudden it's lost three out of the last four. Are you looking for a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive, stable history of more than 20 years? Consider FSC Edge. What is FSC Edge? A leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies with expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the United States and Europe including the European Patent Office, the Deutsches Patent und Markenamt, that's the German and Patent Trademark Office, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office as well. FSC Edge is the only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC Edge comes with some great perks. You get to work with fun people with great attitudes. You learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing which means casual dress is welcome. You get to work in a new work environment with more than $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you get to do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. 
The FSC Edge team is constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join in their mission. Check out available jobs today at www.jobsatfsc.com. That was a that was a perfect choice to kick things off, though, Aaron, because I'm also going that direction. Do you know? Now we're talking. We're going to change it a little bit. So this is my interesting fact number one: Northwestern edition. When was the last time Northwestern lost its Big Ten opener? She's thinking. I'll just relay her answer rather than have to hand this microphone back I over. Like it's gonna be 2010? It was 2021. They played. <laughs> <laughs> I, was trying, I was like, I, that was it. I thought it was gonna be a trick question. Please convey. I thought it was gonna be a trick question. Yeah. So I, I can't remember when in the year this was. I feel like it was a Friday night game. Anyway, they played Michigan State last year to open the season. And that was when everyone went, oh, my gosh, Kenneth Walker III looks like the best running back in the country. And he went on to win the Doak Walker Award last year. And, you know, you could legitimately claim he was the best running back in the country. Lost to Michigan State 38-21. to It was kind of our first, I think, inclination that, oh, Michigan State might have something with all of these transfers. Because remember, last year, the, like, book on Michigan State was meh. Uh, have a lot to come back with. This is like their actual year one instead of the year one they got with Mel Tucker during the pandemic. But this is really the key piece of information. Pat Fitzgerald has not lost back-to-back Big Ten openers in his career. This is going to be, well, I'll come back to that because I've got that later for a fact. But yeah, over his entire tenure at Northwestern has not lost back-to-back Big Ten openers. So, good news, bad news for Nebraska? Eh, seems like bad news, but maybe the moving this game internationally flips all of that on its head. That's my interesting fact number one. Aaron, we will kick the ball back off to you. Your turn. All right. All right, all right. I just need to say, I, I feel like that was a trick question, not because of anything you did, but I was trying to give, I was like, now that you say that about that game last year, I remember that game. But if you had said, was that Northwestern's first Big Ten matchup? I would have had honestly no idea. Like, I don't think people realize. And um, my husband gives me a hard time about this where he's like, this is your job. You should know these things. And like, honestly, there are just things you don't know because there's just so much going on. Um, So I was really sincerely like, you know what? Pat Fitzgerald is a tricky human. Like, maybe it's been a decade. Uh, so honestly, that one was that one was fun. Now, my my second fact is I want to break down Nebraska's roster really quick because I don't think people really truly understand what that COVID-19 bonus year has done to rosters. And I'm just going to break this down. Now, this is kind of, I'd say, if you ever look at a roster and sort of, especially now in the era of transfers and NIL and how that has affected everything, I would say it looks like a pyramid. It it gets larger kind of toward the middle. It, it's, it starts, you know, you have your your incoming class, they're kind of capped at a certain number, it grows, and then it comes back down, especially as players graduate or they leave early or whatever the case may be. However, I have never seen something quite like this. In fact, just to make sure that I'm not completely off, I'm going to go find some game notes from um, a couple of years as a as a follow-up to this because... 
I, I just think this is really important. So let's look at what it is right now. Nebraska has 151 players on its roster. By the way, Nebraska brought 110 of those players to Dublin. Uh, they can only suit up 74 of them against Northwestern per conference rules, but 110 of the players that were in fall camp are in Dublin right now. So overall, though, 151 players on this roster. I think the reason this stood out is because Nebraska specifically says this a player's class reflects the fact that the 2020 season did not count as a year of eligibility. So when you're looking at a player who has sophomore behind their name, they're actually probably a junior. Um, but it's the way that – and then you have to take – they may have redshirted. The whole thing is super messy. Uh, I give Jacob Padilla at Hale Varsity a ton of credit because, uh, long story short, trying to kind of write this so that it makes sense for people – it, it is a, it is a, a, a it's, it's something. So here's how this the whole thing breaks down. 15% of the roster, 22 players are freshmen. 32% of the roster, 49 players are redshirt freshmen. So your total freshmen is 47%, 71 players. So again, you're kind of, you see that this has like peaked. It goes from 22 to 49 sophomores, 39 of them. That makes up 26% of the, of the grouping juniors, 27. So we're on the downward slope. There are 18% and seniors, 14 of them who are 9%. But again, it's all kind of like it's just so strange with the COVID year to sort of understand what what is and what isn't with some of these classes but when I was looking at that and seeing how many red shirt freshmen specifically are on this roster 49 you have 71 total freshmen however you slice it if you just talk freshmen red shirt freshmen doesn't matter in fact it, it probably is like the whole thing is just so wild because that is nearly half of the roster is a freshman in some in some way thanks to the COVID year so long story short if I went and looked at like a previous year it's always going to be a little bit you just like anything it's going to be more especially in that second and third year before players maybe transfer um, but at the same time I I'm going to have to go find some old notes just to confirm what I suspect to be true which is it's never been quite that significant of a freshman based team and you could look at that and go well that you know that should tell you like do they have experience oh no they do they're just all denoted because of covid so what a strange what a strange thing that was by the time you come back to me I'm going to have found an old thing of notes because I realized uh, for anyone who's ever wondered what the most terrifying thing is, uh, sometime accidentally delete your entire Gmail folder and it will just sit in your trash file. And so then when you're like, why can't I find anything? They're just sitting in your trash file. So that's why I have to go find that. So I will have I, have, I will have more on that once I get through the trash file after your second second fun fact. It, that makes me – I would like to propose a change to college football right here and right now based on what you just said. Like, this was the – and maybe it's probably too late. Um, oh, we've got a car alarm going off. There you go. That's some of that ambiance we were talking about. Um, we should have just changed. We should do what they do for the NFL and all pro leagues. Like, if you're a freshman, maybe you can still be listed as a freshman instead of rookie. But after that, I just need to know how many seasons you've been in college. 
So your second season, third season, fourth season, fifth season. Because in this case, for both teams, presumably, if you redshirt in the traditional sense in 2019, back when, you know, before we knew COVID was was coming and the havoc it would wreak on, on the 2020 football season, um, and then you presumably you could you could have redshirted your first year in 2019 played the entire 2020 season and gone into 2021 still listed as a redshirt freshman and if you're just looking at the roster if you're somebody who's popping in to look at northwestern's roster for instance i'm sure they have somebody where this is the case um you have no idea unless you you remember that player unless you watched a lot of northwestern games what it actually means so the the, the class designations are effectively they're not meaningless at this point they give you they ball they're a ballpark figure i guess we'll put it that way um before i get to my second tidbit on on northwestern we're going to take a halftime break so we can get to you the weather forecast for this game from rusty dawkins he'll be doing that each week on the show take it away rusty Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with Hale Varsity, and this is the I-80 Preview Podcast Forecast, and we'll do one for Lincoln first. Uh, the forecast for Lincoln, a few showers and thunderstorms on and off throughout the day on Saturday. Uh, temperatures very warm in the upper 70s in the morning, and we should get into the 90-degree range by the afternoon with a southwest wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour. So a very summer-like forecast for Saturday in Lincoln. Now, in Ireland, very different. It's going to feel more like fall in Dublin with uh, temperatures likely in the 60s. It's definitely going to be football weather. We'll see partly cloudy skies uh, for the game. Temperatures near 65 degrees at kickoff, and I think we'll see temperatures dropping to around 60, maybe even the upper 50s by the fourth quarter. Uh, but no rain in the forecast. I mean, this is an area that could see lots of rain and lots of clouds, and it just looks like a pretty nice day, a pretty nice evening for a game. Now, if you're sticking around that area through Sunday, Light rain could be possible then with cloudy skies and temperatures in the middle 60s. So I'll have more updates if anything changes. Uh, I'll have uh, more forecast details on hillvarsity.com and on my social media channels. That's at Husker Weather and at Rusty WX. Go Big Red. Thanks, Rusty. Before we get to the next segment, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, the Team Jack Foundation. Nearly 10 years ago, Jack Hoffman scored a touchdown in the Nebraska spring game, rallying Husker Nation and putting pediatric brain cancer on the map. Since that inspiring moment, the Team Jack Foundation has raised more than $10.2 million for research. We need your help again, Nebraska. Thursday, September 29th, is the 10th annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon, presented by the Home Agency. Tune in and donate. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to make a difference. We'll dive into the second half here. I believe I'm up, though. While we were away for halftime, Erin regrouped. She, she found some old game notes. Aaron, did you want to return to your comparison to past Nebraska rosters? I think so. I'm reading. So I I specifically went and found Northwestern from 2019 because I was like, let's compare a 2019. I'm just going to tell you, um, the game notes have changed a little bit in three years. Like things are, oh, Pat's Fitzgerald. Look at him right there. Uh, long story short, it's going to take me a second because Nebraska – Nebraska, maybe this will have to be a fun fact at some point. What has changed in the game notes in three years? So long story short, um, I'm still going to be looking through them, but I just want to say that names that are standing out to me right now is uh, Rondale Moore. That's how old these game notes are, is that like Rondale is still being talked about at this point in the big... I digress. Let's get to your fun fact. 
All right. Number two for me uh, starts with a question. Aaron, what do you think Northwestern should wear in this game? You're close. Um, But specifically, they should be in their purple jerseys, white pants. Like, they should be in their standard home because the stadium is all home for them. This is a home game, technically. So they should be in their home dress, if that's what you're asking me. That is the... What they so Nebraska should be an all white, you know. I'm just kidding. I just, I've, I just know how to like rile people up. No, I, they should be an all home, and Nebraska should be in their away uniforms. Perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. So, Aaron says purple jersey, white pants, classic look. I assume you're you're pairing that with a purple helmet. Should be, yeah. Yeah. So Northwestern got new uniforms this past off season. Gone. So there's a classic stripe that is referred to as a Northwestern stripe. It's the thin stripe on top, thick stripe middle, thin stripe on the bottom. And they used to have it go right across their chest like a tire tread, like they'd been run over sideways, um, which, you know, I guess I gave them points for at least it's interesting. At least it references a piece of their history. They're coming into 2022 with a much more classic look. Uh, They have moved the stripes back to the sleeves, which is where they belong. Um, And black and purple has always been pretty cool. I remember in the good old days of the EA Sports College football game, I'd I'd go on a nice little seven-season run at Northwestern just because black and purple. It's kind of cool. Probably should have gone with TCU, I guess, if that were were the case. It would have been a little bit easier to recruit, but... No, I definitely went with Northwestern, but I'm glad you you had a very specific pick for yours. So generally speaking, these are our multiple mix and match options worth with Northwestern. We know for sure we've got a black helmet, a purple helmet, and a white helmet. We've also got a black jersey, purple jersey, white jersey, and same for the pants. Aaron chose purple, purple, white... Since 2012, Northwestern is oh man, she's she's trying to get Nebraska to lose this game. Northwestern's three and zero when they wear purple, purple, white. It's a home game for them. It's a home game. It is a home game. There's so many banners all over the place that say Chicago's Big Ten team right now in Dublin, which will make absolutely no sense to literally anyone else outside of the country. That's like, why are we talking? If you actually like. Any person who's at this game from Dublin who decides to just Google Maps, Northwestern is going to be like, why is this Chicago's Big Ten team? They're in Evanston. Why is it not Illinois? Why is Illinois not Chicago's Big Ten team? I have so many questions, but they're a home, like they're the home team, so they should wear their home uniforms. Although, although, what if they should just both wear their home uniforms? I, I like that because the backdrop for well this entire island but also all of aviva stadium is green so you're gonna both are really gonna stand out uh on that so based on the record since 2012 um i'm saying i'm thinking northwestern would classify its purple helmet black jersey purple pants as its standard home look i agree with aaron i think it should be the white pants but that's the one they've worn most. So if they come out purple, black, purple, they're 10 and 6 since 2012 in that look. So pretty good. The one you really don't want to see if you're a Nebraska fan, and I don't think that you will, so don't worry about it, 
is white, white, white. All white. Nebraska fans, <laughs> Nebraska fans' favorites. Surrender whites are not that for a Northwestern. The Wildcats are nine and four since 2012 when wearing white, white, white. Uh, should they come out white pants or white jersey, black pants, white helmet? They haven't haven't ever won in that. But I don't think I don't think we're going to see the white, which makes me a little bit sad because. I did have this vision in mind where Nebraska maybe came out in classic white helmet, of course, black, black shirts, jerseys, black pants, because then you're like 85% black with a little bit of white on top. You look like a pint of Guinness. What better tribute could there be? The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I love it. I let that dramatic pause just hang there because I think it was perfect. Um, although I did do the Guinness tour and, you know, I did find out. Do you know what the true color of Guinness a Guinness is? They call it the black lager, but it is not black. Do you know what that color is? This isn't a fun fact. This is just a bonus. I, I, I don't know what that color is. I mean, before it settles, it's like a light brown. But like if you, you know, look at it lovingly through a open window and beautiful Irish weather, which we did this this afternoon after we were done with practice practice uh, availability. It looks a little bit reddish, reddish brown. I'm not going to come up with it, though. You're close. Ruby red. Ruby red. Ruby red. I took, I'm actually like, while we're sitting here, I'm going to just show you because you will get a kick out of this. I took a photo uh, and you can see it at the bottom. It is actually ruby red if you hold it up to light. Okay, so this one isn't really so much a fun fact, but more just so that I wanted to show how difficult it is to write game notes. These documents are robust. There's a lot of information in them. And I kind of sat here and was like, and this was part of pulling up a previous game note, but it prompted this thought for the record, I can't find the breakdown from a past. I will, but like I do just want to say that like Nebraska's whole roster situation, which it's not just Nebraska, it's very, very, let's just say it's like very front-loaded at this point with the amount of quote-unquote redshirt freshman freshman on this team. If I do find it, I'll just tweet it out and y'all can find uh, a bonus <laughs> update on Twitter. But so here's here's how Nebraska, I'm. we're going to take a little trip back to 2019 Nebraska Northwestern that would not have been the first game of the season uh, but in true Nebraska Northwestern fashion every game has mostly been fairly close in fact Nebraska won that game on October 5th 2019 
13 to 10. At the time, Nebraska was four and two. Northwestern was one and four. Uh, COVID hadn't happened. We were kind of on the cusp of like a lot of change. However, at that time, Nebraska had a section on its head coach, just like it does every single year. There is a section in there that has not changed the headline once. It still reads, Frost, a proven winner. The entire section is nearly identical. However, I'm going to just read the first two sections that have changed. In 2019, it said, Frost is a proven winner in his 12-year full-time coaching career. Frost teams have combined for a 129-35 record. In the 2022 version, it says, Frost is a proven winner in his 15-year full-time coaching career. Frost teams have combined for 137-54 record. So it went from 129-35 to a 137-54. Still has a really high winning percentage on a team that he's coached with, I want to just point out. Um, but the, the, the other side of it has been chipped away at. Here's the other part where I was like, how do you write this? In 2019, it was written, Frost has averaged nearly 11 wins per season and has been a part of seven 12-win teams. This is my favorite how you spin this. In 2022, Frost has averaged more than nine wins per year and has been a part of seven 12-win teams. So it's nearly identical, but instead of saying nearly 11, it's now more than nine. Um... This just kind of goes to show how, uh, and I don't say this to be snarky. There's somebody out here, out there that's going to be mad that I brought this up, but I just want to point this out. This isn't a slight at Frost. It is a testament to the sports information directors whose jobs it is to fill these out year after year and make good of anything that they are presented with. Because no, Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska heading into his fifth season has not been what he wanted it. It's not, you read this whole bio page of him. And when it was originally written in 2018, it was glowing of what he had done. And no, you're not going to you yank out the historic turnaround at UCF. You're not going to yank out the national coach of the year. You're not taking those things away, but you do have to start inserting little things that kind of make the reality of where you are today a little more present, but not in a way that takes away from, you still want to build your head coach up, all of that. So I just found it really interesting that the, the words change ever so slightly. The numbers had to change, obviously, but they also haven't updated his photo in three years. And so I found that interesting. Um, but they also did not update Pat Fitzgerald's photo either in the game notes. That one, just to be clear, when it comes to Pat Fitzgerald, that is a copy paste every year. They're just like copy paste. Here you go. But I just, like I said, the amount of like, the amount that has to go into making these things happen is kind of impressive. So when I read that page and was like, yeah, it's still kind of what it was three years ago. At the same time, all the credit to Nebraska sports information directors and the people out there who are cranking 17 pages of game notes out every single week in a season because there's only so much you can do. And I'll give them credit. It, it, it you got to be strategic when you want to make things sound better than they are. And it is Nebraska's job, to be clear, to make things sound 
as good as they possibly can because that is in their best interest. So I would not have told them to do it any differently. But it just is funny to me how similar they are, but they just change the words ever so slightly. That's that's part of one of that's one of the reasons I really love going through game notes is because before that, you know, it's meant to be a tool for the media to to a degree, but it's also meant to, you know, promote these programs. Like, could you imagine what's it like writing Kansas football's game notes for the past decade? Well, since 2007, basically, that was a great year to write game notes for for Kansas football. Since then, uh, probably hasn't been a ton of fun. And it, <clears throat> while I while I love game notes in general, one of the criticisms I have it, it becomes a game for me. I'm like, let's see, like what bad stuff got in here or how they danced around it. I often feel I'm like, why doesn't the game note? Why don't these game notes tell me like this team's record when they fumble? It's like, well, because maybe they fumble a lot. I'm not talking about Nebraska here, though. That is the case in that sense. Maybe they fumble a lot. Their record's probably bad in those things. And we're just going to omit that that information. But it's a delicate dance, these these game notes, which is why I think it is uh, particularly fun to to go through them. My final interesting fact is is kind of an, a tribute to the the game notes themselves, as if I haven't talked them up enough enough at, at this point. But um, I wanted to potentially give people something useful. I'm terrified that I'm going to screw this up, even though I'm looking directly at it. I practiced it like six times for last week's podcast because he was a player to watch. I am talking about. Northwestern edge rusher, Aditamiwa Adibara. I think I got it. I, I think I got it. Um, I, I was looking at the pronunciation, and that's the overall point here. Well, it's not the overall point. It's the way into this is that, hey, most of these media guides, well, all of these media guides include pronunciation guides. I wished. I'm not talking about the average fan. Like, average fan probably doesn't need to know how to say that. It's not going to come up. But members of the media, et cetera. Look at look at the opposing pronunciation guide once each week, please. Um, just to to say you did to get a sense, so we're we're not butchering these things all the time. You can find those in each and every game notes. Um, but the player himself, quite good. Um, as I as I noted last week, you'll probably you'll probably notice him uh, goes up against a Nebraska offensive line that certainly has uh, a ton to prove, and you know. After the fact, it's it's always easy to say this, but kind of looks like a player that Nebraska. Well, Nebraska's sitting pretty good, I think, at edge rusher going into this this twenty twenty two opener. But certainly a player. I mean, Adibara was a, an all conference player a year ago. Has a great shot to be one. He's from Kansas City and was pretty lightly recruited uh, as as a high school prospect. Twenty third ranked player in Kansas, uh, according to twenty four seven Sports. Chose Northwestern over Air Force, Army, Navy, and Washington State. Maybe Nebraska should have should have tossed an offer out there. Um, but anyway, Addy Tomiwa, That's how you say his first name, Addy Barra. That's his last name. Now you know because we read these game notes, because we are amused by them, and we hope after this podcast you have learned at least a little bit about Nebraska and Northwestern, and you came away with, hey, maybe I should, maybe I should check out the game notes. Aaron, what else, 
anything else you wanted to add from Ireland? Because next time we do this, well, I typically do this as a solo show, but next time we do this, um, whenever that may be, well, it might have to be when we're in a foreign country again. So, but that might, that's your college football teams can only play internationally once every four years. So we've got a long time. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there because I've thought about this a little bit and I'm, I'm really grateful that we are here because the only other time in Nebraska history were the only other international game in Nebraska history was 1992 is the Coca-Cola classic in Tokyo, Japan. Um, Nebraska defeated Kansas state one year later, Wisconsin defeated Michigan state at the 1993 Coca-Cola classic in Tokyo. Um, which to date is the only other Big Ten conference game played outside of the United States. Fun fact. So again, game notes are great. Um, Another fun fact, these were not specific Nebraska fun facts, which is why I didn't pick them. But uh, this week's game, Saturday's game, also marks the earliest date of a conference matchup in Big Ten history, which the Big Ten is old, if no one knows. Like the Big Ten is pretty old. Um, But that's just to go to to show... 1992 it's been 30 years since the last time nebraska by the way i almost said 20 years because it feels like it should only be 20 years since 1992 um but i digress i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's gonna be a while before nebraska does this again it is a very daunting task to take this type of trip on we we know that the nfl does it more regularly than obviously college football there's a reason for that they're paid professional athletes there's a different there's just something different when you're paying these these people this is their job um it's a little bit different when it's collegiate athletes and you know you're you're looking at I give him credit for breaking it down but like Scott Frost talked about we get all of our equipment to Chicago and find out some of the bottoms of the they were supposed to be metal they were wood so that had to get adjusted before we could get them on the plane and get them shipped overseas Um, they had they couldn't fly them out of Lincoln or Omaha they had to drive they had to pack the truck up drive it to Chicago so it could go through O'Hare get on an Aer Lingus plane and be shipped to Dublin. Um, Nebraska could not charter out of Lincoln. Lincoln's airport is not equipped for international travel in the way that they needed it to be. So the closest they could go was Omaha. And even Omaha had to make adjustments to make that possible for them because Omaha doesn't typically fly that many people international out of it. Like Omaha is not an international airport. It is not where you go through typically. So a lot of hoops had to be not just jumped through i want to be clear a lot of hoops had to be created to make this happen for nebraska and that's not even taking into account obviously what northwestern had to do now northwestern is much more centrally located to an airport that takes them directly to dublin um but yeah it's gonna be it's going to be a while i just i think that this is very difficult we've heard the players say you know, that trip over here was tough. I I don't think I had jet lag because I have traveled abroad to Europe before, so I kind of knew what to do. But I'll be honest with you, it does take a while to just kind of feel, quote unquote, normal. 
and the one benefit that they have is their youth and that their age allows them like I saw an Instagram story from Richard Torres he was up like bright and early like taking selfies at the hotel just being like up and at him let's go and I'm like that is his age being able to be like I got three hours of sleep last night who cares let's roll like we're not all jumping up feeling like that after you're not going to be feeling like that in the morning but I I think for myself, for the Nebraska fans that came over here, which I know at one point they were projecting about, like, I think they were hoping for 10,000 tickets sold for Nebraska. I think it's going to end up being more than that when it's all said and done, because I think a lot of people didn't want to have FOMO. For those of you who did make the trip, I hope you enjoy the heck out of it. For those of you who didn't, don't, don't, don't fret. I just unfortunately don't think that this is going to happen for a while. So You'll just have to travel because you want to, not because Nebraska is somewhere. But maybe, maybe as all of this conference, not realignment, but the undertaking of as the Big Ten and SEC take over every other conference, maybe the Bahamas Bowl can get synced up with the Big Ten and we can all go to the Bahamas one day. But I, I think it's going to be a while before we ever see Nebraska in another country playing in this way again so that's my takeaway it's not a bowl game but it sure has been fun and I'm gonna be sad when it ends because I don't think I have ever experienced anything quite like this in my career and I'm not sure I will for the foreseeable future but hey maybe the next thing is a bowl game and like I said how do we get the Bahamas Bowl to be a Nebraska potential a feeder for Nebraska that would be pretty great unless we want to take over Jacob and go to Bahamas and basketball with him at some point. So that might be the next option. Or I have it, volleyball. We'll just tag along with the volleyball team whenever they head overseas again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, volleyball is probably about due for another Asia trip. Um that was that was really elegantly put. Um so I'll try not to say too much more than that. Um you know, <clears throat> I think at some point during every, you know, college football game I've been fortunate enough to cover, I have the thought at some point and, and I just like stop and I'm like, it takes so many people to even pull this off. Like hundreds of people. When you talk about the referees, all of the support staff, you have to have somebody who buys the helmets. You have to have somebody who gets the helmets to the road game, somebody who fixes the helmets when they break, somebody who wears the helmets, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's, it's uncanny. <laughs> I mean, it's just un- un- unbelievable how much it takes to pull off a football game. And now you're going to do it all the way across the Atlantic ocean. Um, super grateful to be here. I'm glad we get to experience it. Um, I actually, I think I'm going to be writing about a little bit the history of college football internationally it's a little bit deeper than i initially thought it was there's been quite a few games in europe and then of course there was a good 20 ish year run where japan was just hosting a college football game a year which boy would that be a trip um but we'll wrap this this episode this unconventional episode of the iad preview podcast for now live from ireland we still have our uh, live live audience of one so it didn't go so horribly i guess at least based on on that based on the the largest available sample size we have at the moment we'll see if you agree um thanks as always for listening if you like the show do your podcast chores uh rate and review it subscribe tell a friend 
subscribe to Aaron's show. Mind your own podcast, uh, part of the Hale Varsity Network, where you can find a bunch of other good shows as well. Might as well subscribe to those two while you're there. Special thanks to Union Bank and Trust, which has sponsored all of our coverage from Ireland um, while we've been over here. So special thanks to them. And we'll talk to you next week when we're previewing North Dakota. Ahura Media Production.